you don't need to open yourself up to gonorrhea to be passionate on stage. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Glee on the Rocks. I'm Emily. I'm Mandy. And I'm B. And I think this is the episode that everyone has been waiting for. It's West Side Story. We made it. We made it. They have successfully produced a school musical round of applause. It only took three seasons. <laughs> three seasons. That's really all this episode is about, right? Yeah. The school musical. That's all I remember, so. <laughs> yeah, it's really all that happened. Um, it's going to be, I think, kind of a short episode to get through. Um and we'll 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 make it work. I think we don't have a lot of strong opinions about what went down this time. I think, but we it'll can stretch it out. Maybe we'll like stretch that. it. It'll be yeah. Fun. Consider this just a a mini episode, really, for how boring it was. <laughs> um. So this is the first time. It is the fifth episode of the third season and premiered on November eighth, two thousand and eleven. Um, the episode is focused on McKinley putting on the West Side Story musical and Finn and Rachel's and Blaine and Kurt's, put the commas where you want them, first sexual encounters, which we'll talk about that. The Warblers are also reintroduced with a new leader who has an eye for Blaine. The episode was directed by Brad, I never pronounced his name correctly, Bucker, Bucher, and written by Roberto uh, Aguirre Sacasa. I'm very sorry for mispronouncing your name. Um, yeah, so this is the first time. This is this was a big deal when this happened and leading up to it, as we will, I guess, talk about. Huge deal. But, you know, I didn't really see that. Um, so you sent us some of those recaps to read that came out when this episode came out. And only one of the three I read actually explicitly said, this is a huge deal that we are seeing, like, gay team talking about and having sex on primetime television yeah i think so like my memory of this episode is that it was a big deal that they were going to show teenagers having sex so, i mean show at least glance by for a show on fox um right. and that one of the couples was queer and that that was like a big deal and i just wonder if it was only a big deal for those of us actively watching it and less so for the reviewers talking about it, who were probably 35. You know, you know who it was a big deal for besides fans? Conservative Kristen. Christian parents. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that is true. Um, I grabbed it after I sent those to you, but the, uh, the Parents Television Council was not oh. happy about this episode, um, calling it, quote, reprehensible. Wow. Um, they said the fact that Glee intends to not only broadcast, but celebrate children having sex is reprehensible. Teen sex is now more prevalent on TV than adult sex, and Glee is only playing into that trend. Where's their statistics on that? <laughs> Let me <laughs> see me. the numbers. Let me see those numbers. Um, and really, what they showed were two couples staring at each other, lying down, like fully clothed. Yeah, was to say with everything covered, a bare ankle. There was <laughs> a bare shoulder. That was it. I mean, it was... was a tank top. That's uh, that's risky. Yeah, 
That's as racy as it got. Not like I mean, show him in full on booty shorts and nothing else like three seasons later. I was gonna say that that comes later. <laughs> oh um, god. He was like fully waxed to make him look even more um younger and like less sexually threatening. So like like if we make him as smooth and hairless as possible, they'll look. And the eyelashes were on eleven to make the big were. eyelashes and the no hair anywhere else. Yeah, and just moved all his chest hair to his eyes. Oh man! Yeah, nothing infuriates the Christian right quite like teenagers having consensual sex on television. Uh, you know, I don't really have any comments about the PTC. Like they're just a bunch of annoying old people. Yeah. Sorry I- if your parents are members of the OTC. I did some like looking into the the like online reactions not by like the <laughs> parents television council um and I found like a few a few angry parents like vast minority compared to uh mm, mm-hmm. to to you know the fans reaction reacting but um there was there was a, a number of accounts with icons that look like white male stock photos all linking to the same article. Uh, I'm sure that was a Glee displays gay teen sex in prime time and like a whole article from life site news, which I'm sure we all heard of. Sure. That sounds real. Uh, Just, just talking. And they quoted the parents television council, but they were, you know, trying to throw their own weight into it. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, and they mentioned that Glee had been nominated uh, by the GLAAD Awards already for that point. Yes. So, like, the the fact that of the articles I see, like, they're slanted more towards, hey, two young guys had sex than, hey, some teenagers had sex. It's pretty important. Mm-hmm. Right. Of course. Yeah, I think that's the more um not transgressive that's not the word i'm thinking of that i i think curtain blaine's scenes were probably more off-putting to a certain crowd than finn and rachel's mm-hmm. but were also more meaningful for the people watching it right like watching oh, yeah. two straight white people um have g-rated smooches on television is pretty par for the course but um I guess an interracial couple, depending on how we perceive Blaine. That's, uh, you know, an interracial queer couple. This just made me realize that they've already done an episode like this and Finn and Santana had sex. Yeah. So there was a, one of the articles. Uh Yeah. One of the articles I went back. Yeah. yeah, They, they commented that as much as this episode, and I can't remember which one it was. I want to say, av club or me who knows i'll find out and i'll credit them appropriately at some point um commented specifically that as much as this episode wants to be like look at what we're doing and look how cool this is that we're talking about this it's just a rehash of the madonna episode with finn and santana but like it's gay now so that's (laughs) but it's gay now right direction it is a step in the right direction A, a very well lit um (laughs) right direction because i don't know what lamps blaine's house has but that bedroom is beautiful i wanted to watch that whole scene in like slow motion i should have found i know it's on tumblr somewhere 
Oh, it just yeah. so There's... fast. I kept rewinding because I was like trying to see the the scene. But they're like Cut. trying to see the the condom wrapper on the floor that yes. someone snuck in. And, and the wiggly toes. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. But I can't fucking watch it. It's like two, three seconds long. I think that's why gifts were invented for scenes just like that. Really <laughs> so is. you could just watch it over and over. I feel like yeah. Clayton really changed the gift game. Definitely. You know, I would love to have someone figure out what what really brought the um, the rise of gifts to the forefront. Like what scenes throughout media were the things that people are like, listen, I got to analyze the shit out of this. So I need it slowed down and I need it huge. <laughs> I still have bookmarked. Someone did that with um, Blaine and Kurt's first kiss. And they like, it, oh, yes. it's like its own website, like super slow, huge. <laughs> it's really impactful. I'm honestly... Yeah. Do you remember when Tumblr increased the file size and the dimensions that GIFs could be? Mm. When they did that, those creators went back and redid their claim GIFs specifically to have a higher res, slower, bigger GIF. And I was like, thank you for your service. Uh, yeah, that's dedication. Thank you. We just do you didn't not have to do that. Fandom. That's amazing. We don't. Well, some parts of it. Yeah. <laughs> You're right, you're some, right. The creators. <laughs> yeah. Some some parts of the Glee fandom we definitely had coming to us and we did deserve it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um I guess since we've skipped ahead, um back it the, up. Back it to up. The crux of this the whole the this episode has Artie. Artie has lines, and I think we can't forget that. Yeah. But yeah, is was- centered around like the final rehearsals for the West Side Story musical. And Artie has decided that Blaine and Rachel don't have enough um, chemistry with each other during their big number because neither of them had had sex yet. I mean, it could be because they're still on book like three right? days before the musical. That would probably get in the way of your chemistry yeah, a little bit. I- I think the fact that they're on book and just like staring at the director and not each other might also have something to do yeah, with it. They're like not even doing the staging. The directors are on the stage with them. Like this mm-hmm. is not, they're not in musical mode so much no, in this that, scene. That is potentially part of the issue. Um, the other part of the issue is one, virginity is a construct and doesn't exist. And two, yeah. you don't have to have an experience to authentically imitate one. <laughs> Like, yeah, do we think it, all movie stars have murdered people? Sort of defeats the purpose of acting. Uh, right? Yeah. I, I don't know what, in the writer's room, how was this their catalyst? They're like, okay, we should have sex because it ties in with the West Side Story, like, themes. So we'll have our favorite couples have sex. But how are we going to get them to both be thinking about sex at the same time? Oh, <laughs> We'll just have Artie point blank yeah. tell them they need to have sex mm-hmm. before the musical. Done. Solved. Like, what? Which one? I think it's you fired as a director when you tell oh. your actors to go bone before the show. And then he's telling Personally. everyone to have sex. Beast, you should have sex. Like, I know. Yeah, I feel he's... like telling your teacher to have sex <laughs> when you're a teenager should also have some repercussions. Mm-hmm. You would fucking think. You would, yes, I, I think that might be grounds for expulsion, potentially. Or at least some time with the therapist. Yeah. Like, sent to Emma Pillsbury's office. Like, <laughs> the worst conversation ever. There is a pamphlet for you. 
you know, I bet she did have pamphlets ready, but she booked it out of there just as fast when he brought that up, which I loved. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, the, the, I mean, I get it. They had to get, they had to get there. And I guess this was the clumsy way to get there, but like, you don't need to open yourself up to gonorrhea to be a passionate on stage. Like, it's fine. Damn. Just, just pretend like they're not living in 1950s New York. And whatever the plot of West Side Story is. No one's and worried about being gunned down by a shark. <laughs> or like snapped <laughs> to death. Yeah, snapped to death, yeah. But I always think Crazy. of West Side Story. <laughs> no, and I love that Artie's like authority on this subject. He automatically, he from the top is like, yeah, she called me the wrong name. And yeah. it's just so glee. <laughs> it really was. It, yeah, I mean, I. What else were they gonna do? I don't. I don't have a good rewrite other than the. Let me tell you my opinion, please. But, and I some one of the articles really got into this, and uh, now I'm not just not gonna be able to find it again because why would I plan ahead? There was an article talking about how this episode really highlights the change in Blaine's character from Dalton to McKinley. That was the where- AV club. Yeah, it was AV Club. Okay, great. So AV Club, thank you for pointing this out in a way that was very articulate. Of when he was first introduced, which we all know and none of you can fucking refute it, he was a year older and he was supposed to be a mentor, which is something that Ryan Murphy, the creator, said, is that Blaine is going to be Kurt's mentor. And then this episode comes up and he's like a blushing violet (laughs) of can't possibly have done anything in his life even though he was like after an older guy yeah. in season one two and very suave confident all these kinds of things and they point out that maybe it could have been a character development where he's just been hiding his insecurities under this veneer of bravado but that's that's not really what they were going for it's just that all of a sudden he doesn't know anything about anything and i think it could have been much more could have not much more interesting but could have been more interesting if you had like a, a, a range of sexual experiences happening where you had like Finn and Rachel doing their thing. You're talking about how um, Tina was pointing out that her first time with Mike was great because it was with someone she loved. And then you've got like your celibacy club kids and you could have had Blaine potentially having like a not great first sexual experience and getting not a redo. Cause like, again, virginity but whatever with kurt like do maybe he did it for the wrong reasons previously and now he's doing it for the right reasons whatever those are i mean honestly that would have that would have mirrored uh finn and rachel really well right even though though finn kind of had that story they sort of just like hand waved it yeah they They did but it would have been much more well this goes with anything in my opinion but it would have been much more interesting with blaine yeah, because, like, we don't know much about him. It would have been yeah. a good chance to, like, kind of bring in things we did kind of know, the whole Jeremiah thing, where he had been previously. But no, it's just these two fumbling kids, which was probably good. Maybe that was better for the audience that they had of a younger audience, but I think it still could have been good for that audience to see that Sunshine and Roses aren't always the case. I think I would have believed that Blaine is 
like a very confident person when it comes to singing and performing. But for some reason, he's just not very confident when it comes to like sex specifically. Like Mm -hmm. I I feel like being gay, being a teenager, like, you know, he's talked a lot of talk, but maybe he doesn't really walk the walk. Yeah. Like he can't really walk the walk because he's, you know, feels inexperienced or maybe, maybe he's confident in these things he knows he's good at. And yet mm-hmm. like sex is something new to him. So he's just like scared and like, doesn't, um, you know, can't like fake his way through it. Like maybe he's very genuine and being confident, like on stage and stuff. Cause he, he knows he's good at that. Like I could almost believe that, but then you have the episode in season two is, isn't it literally called sexy? Like with where they, yeah. He's like lecturing Kurt about like being exactly. more sexy when he sings and like making the yep. right faces. And he's like asking, I think he asked Kurt if he's had sex before. He like, does, yeah. And he has that yeah. whole talk with Bert's or with Bert about like yes. you need to talk to your son about sex because something might happen. Like that's that's someone and he says this thing about like, I wish I had that relationship with my dad. Like that feels like backstory of someone who maybe had a bad experience. Yeah. And is and now that would have made way more sense. Yeah. <laughs> have been like such an amazing storyline to follow i think so i mean obviously because we just said it so we're right i think lee is wrong (laughs) (laughs) i think that's how that works i did want to mention um i realized when like looking through the social media stuff that this episode aired exactly one year after never been kissed oh Oh, yeah like all of this 180 on blaine happened in, Mm -hmm. in that first year wow Hmm. Those bow ties came out and he just forgot how to fuck. The boat shoes. He he also like contradicts himself, I feel like, within the episode because there's the scene like where they're alone in Blaine's bedroom would have been the perfect time for him to be like, you know, I feel a little bit insecure about yeah. us having sex. Like, but he's like But that's why they invented masturbation. Like he doesn't say like, yes, but Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm having concerns about it. Like, he's just like, I need you to be comfortable so I can be comfortable. Like, he's implying that all he needs is Kurt to be on board and he's already there. Yeah, definitely. That I mean, that the line of I need you to be comfortable so I can be comfortable is fantastic and is a great message, but does kind of lean towards the some, the idea of someone who's more experienced. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a better message for the characterization of, like, mentor older Blaine. Yeah. And I wonder if, like, Maybe they just had that written before they decided to knock him back a year. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can't believe that was that maybe Glee writers will just be like, "Oh, I have this idea on a post-it note. Let me jot it down," and then yeah, it just yeah. like the script three episodes later. Yep. The uh, the um, the Harry Potter I wrote the ending sixteen years ago, and I'm never going to change yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Like, but but wait, there's there's better ideas. You've literally contradicted yourself. No, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. This, okay. is it, this is what we're doing. I did like, I mean, that scene is so fun though. It's a fun, we don't often get to see Kurt and Blaine outside of school or choir interacting privately and like comfortably. Yes, don't get me wrong. I fucking love that scene. I wrote down the timestamps because I was just so interested in how long that scene was. It's like right at a minute it's like a minute and seven seconds or something math is hard it goes backwards so a minute and it doesn't matter but like it's just like honestly a perfect minute of claim like even Mm -hmm. though 
obviously the dialogue doesn't hold up if you really tried to look at the whole scene progression and like storyline arc and stuff. Okay, fine. I think but... Glee doesn't hold up under scrutiny. Oh, <laughs> Ryan Murphy, don't kill me in my sleep. Um, but it just really is so sweet and genuine and famil- familiar and they kiss mm-hmm. and it's, it's casual. Like they just seem comfortable with each other. And, you know, I, I just, it's probably one of my still favorite like clean scenes. Like after yeah. so many episodes where they don't really have any actual alone time, it's really nice. The big thing that I wrote in my notes for this was so much happens in this one scene. Yeah. And there's so much of it that like kind of, <laughs> I hate to say it, imprinted into fandom. You've got the, the, like the Roxy music quote and the, the gift, like that's why they invented masturbation and his stupid face and the, because of the layers, because of the layers, like all of that, ha- all of these like key fandom memories happens like you said in this one minute just it's all there like it's a little perfect capsule and they can't take that away from me that's right they like talk in metaphors too that like we haven't given our hands like passage to go south of the equator like that's that's like a (laughs) i mean i love it because it's them but i heard it and i was like oh that's worse than i remember (laughs) (laughs) yeah so like like what were they doing before this? Like, I'm so interested. Like, what does that mean? Like, were they, were they like still doing sexy things or like not at all? Like just makeouts? Like that doesn't, that doesn't tell us anything. I need to know. Just leaving room for Jesus between. Yes. So the other part of Artie telling his friends to go have sex is uh, Rachel and Finn. And do you have comments on this? I don't have a ton of comments on it other than, Rachel is the person who was initially doing it for the wrong reasons, but it's so bizarre. It's so like, it's not played for laughs that she's like, I need to do this to be a better actor. She says, get this done. I need to get this yeah. done. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's off It is very off putting. And I don't know that it's in character. Like she's very yeah. self possessed but it seems so bizarre to be like, yes, I, I have to do this to be a better actor. It's, when... It seems bizarre that she would doubt her own acting abilities. Yeah. And think she needed sex. Because, like, her, you know, personality is very geared towards, like, she believes she is the best. Right. Like, yeah. She fought her... for the lead role. Why, why now is she doubting it? Mm-hmm. I mean, her confidence is usually there, but this time, yeah, it does feel like a setup for a plot line rather than a natural extension of the characters. Um, and there was like there was a lot of that in the end. There was, yes. Although I was going to say, like, I think we mentioned this earlier. This does seem like character work you should have been doing weeks ago. Yeah. Not just realizing that now you don't have any chemistry. Didn't notice this. Which is ridiculous because um, Rachel and Blaine have always had chemistry. Let's go back Mm -hmm. to season two. Their performance of Don't You Want Me is super cute. It is. It really is. Um, And yet here, I mean, you know, (sighs) Blaine Joel just goes back and forth, man. Who knows? (laughs) I think the most egregious thing about the Finchel storyline is Finn forgetting she's 
vegan. I know. And and then saying it so terribly, like being like, oh yeah, because you're a vegan, because we know each other. And I was just like, dude. I'm very curious as to how her digestive system was working, (laughs) having not eaten meat for however long, and then all of a sudden. Maybe good thing that didn't work out. Yeah. I mean, Finn's an idiot. I can't. But he's really trying to get into football, which we've never seen him really succeed as a quarterback. Like, not really. Yeah. Like, no disrespect. But... Isn't it a thing early on that they always lose? Yes. Like, their team kind of sucks. And I don't know that a recruiter is really going to give a shit about a losing football team in Lima, Ohio, where they spend more time practicing for glee and musical performances than they do for football. And, you know, I could have, like, if I were watching this the first time, and they had made a point to say that the, um, I can't remember what you call the person, the scout is there to... The, yeah, the recruiter. To Because he likes Beast. Right. And that might have made more sense, but I can't, mm-hmm. like disconnect my awareness of how like shitty this is compared with the later storylines yeah yeah the whole like i just want a man to look at me like i'm a woman Mm, yes so yeah that i mean the whole thing with cooter Cooter the recruiter you said recruiter recruiter. oh my god his name is cooter cooter the recruiter like, that whole thing with Beast is so clearly one type of character of the woman who doesn't feel feminine, who feels like she's never going to be like the other girls, which she says. She says the, I don't look the way pretty girls look. And we've seen before how, um, I think her thing with uh, Mr. Schuster, like, when he oh, kisses her because she's never been kissed before. So it everything in her interactions with Cooter speaks to cis straight woman. Yeah. And there's no time in the show that changes that until we get to her character arc later. It just there, there are some things Glee can do with like no pre-planning, like shitty characterization. Sure. But I'm just like, whatever it's Glee, but like Really, this one, mm-hmm. if you're going to do a storyline about a trans character, you got to put a little more weight behind it. Yeah, you don't get kudos just for having a character. You have to, you have to like, work they it. Just, they wanted to mark that square on the bingo card off. Yeah, they did. It was like, let's spin the wheel and see which character is going to be trans because their previous backstory doesn't matter. Well, especially because it's such an interesting character to have kind of a masculine football coach who's a woman mm-hmm. who does like men, <laughs> like who does want a relationship with a man while that, still being that the person that she is. Was progressive. Like, yeah. Definitely. It was progressive enough, which is, that's fucked up if you really think about it. Like, well, yeah, like that progressive, like Jesus. Or Glee should be the qualifier. There. Right. My God, a woman not wearing a ton of makeup in public. I mean, we just now in 2020, right, had a female football coach in mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. So it's yeah. huge. Like, Beast was already breaking yeah. barriers. 
And yeah. Glee already had a trans character in Alex Newell's character, Unique. Like, they could have explored, like, her storyline way more than they did. It was so unnecessary. Unnecessary, and it doesn't... It, it yeah, it just it, because like you said, like the bingo card is checked doesn't make it yeah. good. It doesn't mean that you actually did anything. You just made a character do something else for a little while. It, and lame. that do something else just falls flat. Like it, it does. Uh, with Kurt and Blaine being so authentic feeling, and even Santana mm-hmm. and Brittany being so authentic feeling for so many viewers, and then to kind of like shoehorn in a storyline like that in mm-hmm. the eleventh hour. After giving Beast some other really, and I don't want to spoil everything that we're going to talk about in the future, but Beast gets another really yes storyline. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, like, why do this? It, it just made it hard for me to watch that yeah. storyline in this episode. Because if you had played this out, it actually would have been interesting just to have Cooter yeah. kind of stick around. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if off and on people kind of forget like oh beast has a boyfriend you know like he just kind of shows up uh, you know yeah not that beast needs a boyfriend but since they seem to want to go that route she could have that could have remained kind of a thread can't have a character be single unless it's you know god forbid actually i can't think of a single one that didn't have a relationship never mind can't have Uh, he was all about the relationships that's so true it was, to, I think, to a fault. I think... Yeah. Wait, does mm. Unique get... No, remember she... Well, big storyline. She's the catfish. For... Yeah, but like, oh. does she actually get a, a happy ending relationship? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I can't remember. I'm like, so... Which I think is what, like, spurred the Beast being transgender thing. was like, they fucked up Unique storyline mm-hmm. so bad with that catfish thing. They were like, oh, let's just do it again. We'll just try let's it just again. Let's just fix this. Yeah, I had totally forgotten about that. That's when I kind of stopped actively watching and just being like, "God, what this is like." I like being starting to anger watch instead of like getting ready, pre-glee peeing, getting into it, and being invested. Then it became like, "I guess I'll watch this." Yeah, that's really when I topped out on frustration. Like I was like, "I just, what's the point of this?" Mm -hmm. Fucking glee. But it's glee. But it's glee. Yeah, but it's glee. Uh, God, I hate this show. It's the end of this podcast. I'm done. I can't. Um, well, to wrap up Finchel, if we want to, so we don't have to talk about them anymore. Oh yeah, please. really, just the shit, the cherry on top of the shit pile at the right at the end of the episode when they're gonna have sex, and Rachel is trying to comfort Finn from his, you know, football heartbreak, and she's like, mm-hmm. "Your dreams are not dead. You've just outgrown them." I thought that was a great line. I was like, "Yes." Finn has always had football and that's been his only thing. And that was so core to his identity. And she's been trying to get him to see like, you are talented. Like you can go to college for whatever you want to go to college for. Like you're smart, you're talented, you can do it. So like, that was great. And then she was like, you're special. You know how I know that? And I'm like, oh God, because remember season one, Rachel was always like, I'm special because I'm a part of something special. Like this, mm-hmm. this, this being special thing is always terrible. But then she's like, not everyone's special. Exactly. Right. And she's like, I'm going to give you something no one's ever going to get. Like, that's what makes Finn special is he has Rachel's virginity. That's what you end up that conversation with. Like, it just, I. It started <laughs> like, out so well. You started so good. Exactly. And then you just 
that's what you and Finn was of course all about it clearly but uh, yeah. uh, uh, who, I know who pitched that in the writer's room and they were like yes genius that's the one like I, it doesn't seem like the Glee writers have a totally healthy relationship with sex yeah, I'd, I'd say no. I, yeah, I would. Because, like, that's not how you. If anyone's listening, that's not how you solve problems. Not at all. Just FYI, like, if you're having an argument with somebody, you can't really fuck it away. Just work on the communication part first. Just tidbits, life lessons from Glee on the Rocks. <laughs> it was really like she was like, "I don't want to deal with your emotions right now." So I'm just gonna <laughs> kind of, fuck you. Like yeah. that's gonna. <laughs> I'm just gonna shut you up a little bit there. God. I did, going back to though the first part of her conversation, of her comments about your dreams aren't over, every once in a while, Glee seems to notice or remember that high school is not the most important thing you're ever gonna do. Right. And that the person you think you are in high school is like never gonna be the person you are freshman year of college, senior year of college, post-grad, none of it. And I appreciate those little, like those little snippets of knowing or trying to show that your high school persona is not your whole life. If they fuck it up afterwards, right? <laughs> but for a, every once in a while, they get a little touch of there's more to life than your high school career. And that really starts to take root this season, especially with like Kurt and Rachel wanting to go to Niata. Other of the senior characters finally getting a storyline about like what they want to do, which is really yeah. nice. Yeah. So those are those are things where I feel like, oh, if you could have just held on to those moments a little bit. If you could have just stopped there and not said yeah. the terrible thing. Just say the good thing and let it ride. Yeah. Please. We're literally just begging you at this point, please. Say <laughs> something not bad. <laughs> Don't fuck it up just one time. They can't. They can't. They, it's, really, uh, they can't. It's a rooted problem. Um. Well, Glee. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't have a good segue, so I'm just gonna say, back to Dalton we go. And we go. Here we are at Dalton Academy, and I gotta say this might sound really cheesy, but I could not sleep last night. I was so excited. I was so excited for this when it happened, and when like the behind the scenes were happening and the like sneak peek of Blaine returns to Dalton. And I was like, please move back. <laughs> I know it. what he's doing is he's giving his Warbler bros tickets to see West side story. Cause that's definitely what they want to do is drive two and a half hours to see a high school play. Then again, <laughs> I mean, well, <laughs> who, maybe, knows where yeah. they live? <laughs> who knows? Um, but I, I did love the mirrored shot of him coming down the staircase. Oh yes. You know, this time he's the outsider. Ugh. Yeah, his little yeah. stupid outfit. His um, dumb little outfit is so dumb. Such a, it's so bad. I mean, the pants look good from the back, but that's about it. Um, so the the warblers are practicing Uptown Girl. for some for something who knows <laughs> um they may or may not just be having fun uh and we 
we are introduced to Sebastian. And I advise anyone who hates him to just turn this off now and leave. Because I'm not going to hear any sort of bullshit about Sebastian. Emily's going to come to your house and unsubscribe (laughs) you personally. Personally. (laughs) And I'm going to write you sublane fic and leave it on your doorstep and force uh, you to read it. just hold your eyeballs force open. you to read it yeah yeah um i just i kind of loved how quickly sebastian was just like that one <laughs> there's mm-hmm. the lack of guile is so nice to see in a character sometimes of just this is who i am this is what i want and i'm gonna get it which was like rachel in the first half of season one yeah. Yeah, Sebastian had no problem stating his intention, clearly. Yeah. There was yeah. no miscommunication drama with him. Not not even remotely. Because yeah. uh, they cut it, they changed the edit, but in the um, behind the scenes, they were showing the dance, the, when the warblers are all kind of doing their special little dance moves during the number. Um, Grant Gustin does this like leaping, open-legged kick. And it's basically just like, here is my crotch. Mm. and like right into Blaine's face. And I just feel like that is the character in a nutshell. And I totally appreciate it. hundred percent. Um, and there are so many, there's so many lines, the way uh, the bedroom scene with Clayne had a ton of memorable fandom lines. So does this, this has the once a warbler, always a warbler. Yep. It has the, he sex on the stick and sings like a dream. Yep. Uh, it has the bashful schoolboy thing. Like it's all this episode <laughs> saying it's the um, the Stefan skit from SNL. Like this episode has everything. <laughs> it's like they just took all the good bits that they could figure out and stuff it all in. And then and they didn't. One s- of the most important throwback moments is remembering that uh, there's a coffee shop inside Dalton. I know. I know. <laughs> Like let's just uh let's go to our private cafe. I love it. The same table, yeah. Very never been kissed. Um, like callbacks there. Yeah, it was. Yeah, there's a lot. It, it's every once in a while the show is like, remember we did something before. Let's give a little highlight to that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I love that scene of just reminding a character what they left behind, for good or worse, like any character, but. This was a character who has left something behind in show. And it was nice that someone, there was a new character to say, remember how good it was here? Remember how things were? And it gives the audience a chance to kind of recollect and decide for themselves if um, Blaine's doing better than he was. Mm. Up for up for debate. Um when I saw this episode, I remember being so upset because um, I was just such a diehard Clayton chipper that yeah. I was like, how dare they? Like, because Sebastian is just like, if he has anything, he has the audacity. Like we were saying, mm-hmm. he's just, he is so good looking and so talented and confident. Like he's really the, the, the way we perceived Blaine in season two, almost like, yeah, he's like yeah. do I look like a freshman? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I love it. and I remember being so mad. Cause I was just like, all this show knows is love triangles, which is still mm, true. Mm-hmm. But watching this again, years later, I'm like, 
I see now why people ship Sebastian with Blaine, Sebastian with Kurt. I'm like, Sebastian's yeah. hot. And he has a lot of sexual tension with both he Blaine does. and Kurt. Like, there's a oh, lot yeah. there. Yeah. Which makes it even more frustrating when you realize they don't do anything with it. You're like, there's so much here that's so good to, like, piece out that it almost... I, I wonder if Sebastian wouldn't even care between Blaine and Kurt if he would have just been like, whichever one gets me the most standing or whichever one serves me the best. <laughs> I really wonder if they would have used Grant in season six over um, oh, Kowalski. Oh, is what oh is his dude. Dude. Um, I can't even tell you. If Grant had not I, been I the Flash, I feel like they would have used him. I think they would have. And I actually would. They would have had a viewer back if yeah. the season that, six that nonsense. So much sense. I know. An infinitely better, better character, better character development. It would have made, like, I could see Blaine being with Sebastian easy. I could have even, like, Kurt being with Sebastian. Like, it would have been way more, infinitely more interesting. And especially because the breakup episode has that Sebastian mention. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, there's, they have a character setting it up so well. Yeah. They really were. They had, a character already in place with backstory with both of them kind of carried along the seasons as this like specter kind of lurking of a problem. And like, I know we don't always want our creative conflicts to be with a relationship, but at least this one had standing. Like this one made sense because it started in season three, not some fucking Karofsky, which didn't happen. I refute it. I refuse it. And I don't want to talk about it. You can pull that off for a few more seasons. Yes, this podcast will end after season five. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. That's the plot twist. The The tagline of the podcast is we never saw season six either and we're not yeah, good. That's right. And you're, you're just not going to do it. <laughs> it's, God. It has almost no artistic like value. <laughs> Definitely not. nothing good happens in season six. I love that you've seen it because that's going to be fun because I haven't. I've seen like I've three seen, yeah. scenes. I've seen all but the last episode and I tuned most of it out because lo and behold, fucking Glee, they're like, you know what? We need more new kids. That's really what Glee's about. The fucking new kids that no one knows or care about. We, they have a no less than 40 character like ensemble by season six. Like there was no need for all that. (sighs) Anyways, we can talk about it then. (laughs) We'll get there eventually. We'll get there. Um, uh, but okay on the subject of Sebastian my favorite scene okay what that's hard to say I'll my talk favorite, about him forever so don't even worry about it I know my favorite use of music in this episode is a boy like that where they intercut it uh, with the scenes of Blaine talking to Sebastian McKinley is where my heart is a boy like that wants one thing only and when he's done he'll leave you lonely he'll murder your love he murdered mine I just think mm-hmm. that is so genius. I know it, it's great. And it, it's like, mm-hmm. which makes it frustrating when they get it right. And you're like, why can't you do this all the time? Uh, why? Like, why, why is it only every once in a while? Do you really hit, you just hit it. And other times you, you can't even find the ball. Like I, I don't. <laughs> is it because you don't have a writer's room and you don't do table reads? Is that why? Mm. Yeah. Seems pretty likely. Is that why? <laughs> Uh, well, the and I, on their typewriters managed to crank out, you know, Shakespeare. Right? Yeah. 
they just have the monkeys working in the background just in case they need a page real quick. And every once in a while, it's like, oh, yeah, this is a perfect segue. Done. Amazing. Um, mm. The other, it's interesting you brought up a music cue because the other music cue that I love is the Gloria Gaynor in Scandals. Yes. I think that's a great song for them to be dancing to because it it's not a song you necessarily hear on the radio, but it is a song you might hear in a rundown gay bar on the edge of a small town in Ohio on drag night, right? Like it it works in context and it's also a good song. So I'm I was every time the little the the song kicks in, I'm like, yes. Their stupid little dances. I, I love the whole scandals thing. I love that Sebastian's like, let's go to the super cool bar and it's a shithole. <laughs> like, and like maybe people who were watching this at the of age, you know, people who were in their teen years watching this might have thought that was cool. But as soon as you hit like 21, you realize what a dump it is, which makes it better. I, I like, was having all sorts of like headcanon thoughts as I watched that scene of mm. like pair sebastian saying like cool gay club to that and then he says things like you know in was it france he drank like cavassier in his like mother's milk like (laughs) imagine him like sitting at a you know bar in vegas as like a gangly 13 year old while his mom gets drunk beside him or something yeah exactly like i yes that's a great headcanon akin to the truth not really the same context though yeah what's i can't remember what state it is but there's like a paris ohio yeah. or a paris kentucky or something like that's where he was yeah <laughs> I mean, like, like yeah he was he was drinking some alcohol but not in the you know or like drinking you know whatever. yeah not, not the same context it wasn't in the second and drinking yeah. i love it that just makes him better because <laughs> that's the insecurity that makes somebody interesting when you try to cover yeah. it up um so good and i love the uh the bouncer at the door who couldn't be more sad and deadpan just being like it's drag night (laughs) wednesday's drag night like this poor man hates his job and then trying to guess like who the drag queens are i was like yeah 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 i love it because this and i i wish they'd gone back to scandals because kurt and blaine don't really have a nexus of gay culture in lima and here is one and it feels like they should have really used it more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love, too, that, like, in the scene at Scandals and before at the Lima Bean where Sebastian's, like, telling them about it, like, Kurt really is taking control of the situation, which is really mm-hmm. interesting. Like, I-, I feel like, yeah, we've always seen where Blaine has been the more confident one and the more comfortable one. And like, even in the bedroom scene at the beginning of the episode, he was, but something about Sebastian being there, like really like sets Kurt on fire. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, Oh, uh, I don't, you don't tell me twice. Like, this is my man. Like, it's so interesting. And I really, I, I mean, I don't know what it means for like greater character arcs who does because it's Glee, but in the curve of the episode, like I feel like it really is so much more authentic than like the Finn Rachel thing, because it's like, okay, you see Blaine on board with like wanting to have sex. And then you see Kurt actually come on board more, more so than he does um, before the end of the episode. Like it feels just so much more authentic. I think it does. And I, it seems like 
potentially, maybe. Who knows what the writers are thinking? And I don't think they're thinking much at all. But there's a there could be a read of it where this is kind of like the first time that Kurt has realized that Blaine has options. Oh, yeah. You know, that like before Kurt was like the only gay character or queer character. Of... He got the satisfaction of watching Jeremiah turn Blaine down. Yeah, like there, he didn't like, have, like... not to discount, um, I said queer character, but like not to include Brit and Santana because like Kurt would not be interested. But when it comes to like romantic choices for Kurt, there was Blaine. And there's not really been any competition or any options and now blaine has someone very clearly gunning for him and kurt can't help but feel insecure and less than which is super interesting to put a character into a defensive position like that and then see what their reaction is and his reaction is beautifully sarcastic and (laughs) sharp and it gives chris colfer such fun dialogue to work with and he's so good at that kind of dialogue. Like, he is, I yeah. Like that is that is when Kurt is closest to Chris Culver. Mm-hmm. When he's just getting to verbally cut someone down. Yeah, yeah. Because every once in a while he gets to throw out something. There was some line in another episode about like, "Did you shave your back?" <laughs> like that kind of. Did not... you brush out your jowls? <laughs> oh yeah, brush out your jowls. Yeah, something that's not you know. Um an intelligent witty comeback but like but like hurts (laughs) yep and it was yeah i love having kurt have to fight for something and not just assume that it's gonna be there and blaine's little come hither shimmy all of all of um chris's little micro expressions he does as kurt Mm -hmm. is just so amazing like the lima bean where he comes in and he's like, oh, how do we know Sebastian? And all this yeah. stuff. Like, oh, it's just so good. It is. It's it's beautiful. Um, bef- before we get to the car, mm. uh, we I think we have to pit stop at Karofsky. I think this would have been a great end to his storyline altogether. Yeah. Agreed. Like, I, yeah, more- I actually would have been okay like, with yeah. Karofsky having the scene if that had been the end of him. Yeah, right? Like, this this felt like a character end. Like, this is what we needed. We needed to know that he had found another school and he was working. He was working on himself and getting his shit together and finding a community. And that's all you can hope for somebody with his background until he becomes a grown-ass man. That's it. We're good. We're done. We don't need... I don't, I don't need any follow-up. I'm not worried about Karofsky after this. It just makes it extra terrible that this was their setup to the next storyline. Like the way that he was like, yeah, I'm at my new school and like, but mm-hmm. I like it here. And I'm like learning to, you know, yeah. He's like yeah. been able to compartmentalize it and stuff. And like, yeah, I just feel extra betrayed by that. Yeah. Which is why it didn't happen. This is Karofsky's final scene. <laughs> and, the show. and he's done and he's going to live a great life with, um, his husband and four bear cubs like it's fine yeah (laughs) and i'll take no other criticism that's right my reality i insert it we're done this is it um but it's not uh drunk blaine gets taken out to his 
uh, ha- what is he even driving? He's driving like a station wagon. Yeah, whose car is uh, that? I don't. I remember that being a question amongst the fandom. I was like, whose fucking car is this? Because they say at the very beginning that Kurt's the designated driver. Why would he be driving yeah. Blaine's car? I, d- I don't. I don't know. Glee was never consistent with that. Like cars or phones or like things mm-hmm. like that that are expensive and people generally don't change very often would always be completely different. Every episode. Mm-hmm. For no reason either. For Just no make a reason. note in a script that like Blaine drives a Lexus. That's all you need. Cooper would have bought him a Lexus. He doesn't need that. Uh, but you know, we got another great quote. And I just want to make art and mm. help people. <laughs> It's, I love that. I have a, I have like a paraphrase of that as my Instagram bio. Like that, that line oh. sticks with me for some reason. Yeah. It's so genuine and so guileless. It's just like, that's what he wants in life. Um, one of those recap articles interpreted that as him saying he wants to stay in Lima and like specifically make art and help people at that gay bar, which I thought was really interesting. Um, cause me as a queer person, I interpret that as just like, oh, he's, he's in an all queer space for the first time. And just, you know, realizing that like, I, I want to make art and help people. Like that's what queer bars do. It's art and they help people like me to like be yeah. more accepted and at home with themselves. Like that's what I interpreted that as. He's just like on a gay bar high. Like I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> this article like, is like, yeah, he wants to stay in Lima. I'm like, no, no, no. No, no, he doesn't. And like realizing that, (laughs) well, the problem is though, a straight person probably didn't write this. If you look at the creator, like who the fuck wrote this? I meant the recap. Oh, the recap. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the gay person who wrote it was like, no, no explanation necessary. Like we all know that feel. You go Mm -hmm. to a gay bar for the first time, you walk out just on the, like, wow, like I really just fell on my place in the world and I feel it. Mm -hmm. And the straight person writing the recap article is like, oh my God, he wants to stay in Lima and what's yeah. at this gay bar or something? I don't know. <laughs> that's uh, that's every queer person's experience walking into Marie's crisis for the first time. Exactly. Um, so Blaine, Blaine is drunk. On one um, beer. He's, he's white girl wasted. It's what he is. He says, I had one beer. <laughs> yeah, he had one beer. I feel like he's been drinking from like his dad's whiskey glass his whole life and that one Bud Light is not gonna do jack shit. I know. That's fine. Um, he had he had one beer, but also six tequila shots. See, that's that's accurate. That that seems more likely. Yeah, he's not counting those. Um, what did you what did you think of the scene in the car? That good, huh? I'm conflicted on it. I don't know. I get so distracted by like details that are dumb that it's hard for me to have an opinion on it. Are these details like them grasping at each other's clothes or like the story? Well, more like (laughs) Kurt letting drunk Blaine walk home. Yeah. But where does does Blaine live and how far is he walking? Everyone. (laughs) Where does Blaine live? If you map out like Westerville yeah. to Lima, like okay, but like what? <laughs> He's gonna walk yeah. home for nine hours. They did say the gay bar was in West Lima, so I was like, does he live in West Lima? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. I I spent a good portion of the scene like knowing that was coming, 
and then the other portion like remembering the the drama around it and you know yes. all the consent issues that people yes expressed their displeasure with i remember watching the scene and being like what an interesting take on awkward teen sexual encounters right like they're not all you know there's variations on what an awkward teen sexual encounter can be and this was an interesting one of like drunk in the backseat of a car and one partner's not into it and one partner's into it and what do you do and how do you react and that's very interesting and then i went online and suddenly blaine is a rapist <laughs> you're just like what happened i think what that's, show are we watching that's really the interpretation of the demographic of people who watch glee because now watching mm-hmm. it you know, many years later, I'm like, yeah, I remember like Kurt's reaction to Blaine having one drink and being drunk. Like I remember being like that when I was like a freshman in college being like, so overreacting to people being Mm -hmm. quote unquote drunk because you don't have a context for like what that is or like what the experience is like. So like, Mm -hmm. I would like, Oh yeah, I would have totally reacted like Kurt where he's like, you're drunk and like, like was like too much and like putting him in the backseat. So he doesn't throw up like on one Mm -hmm. beer. Like it seems so ridiculous as an, as like, anyone who has experience with alcohol but like watching it and thinking of a high schooler like like, yeah I could see that and then also the way that like they clearly have a an emotionally charged miscommunication at scandal Mm -hmm. like they both have good intentions I think um but it's just it doesn't work like they're not on the same page and they're not in a condition to get on the same page that night and then obviously a day later, like they don't really talk about what happened specifically at scandal, but they've both moved past it and and are able to like get back on the same page and be in sync again. Like I totally see that. I've had that happen with my partner. I don't know how many times like that is like mm-hmm. so, such like real life, but it doesn't read narratively for a TV show. Like I understand why people were pissed because it's mm-hmm. like what a does not get to be. Um, but yeah, the rapist thing specifically, I just, yeah, that was just <laughs> children watching the show. Yeah. yeah. And that's really, I feel like the down, that, that's really when the Blaine haters like solidified themselves was this episode. Yeah. Like this is their, their calling card. Yeah. They were <laughs> waiting for a reason and it was given to them for this Blaine trying to be spontaneous and fun and immediately <laughs> stopping and removing himself from the situation what yeah. a rapist <laughs> yeah not even taking a ride back home just walking yeah yeah like, yeah literally removing himself from Kurt's vicinity completely yeah what yeah. a fucking mm-hmm. scumbag <laughs> to do such a thing but yeah there were like looking back through like twitter from that day in 2011, there were some heated people who I'm just going to guess weren't fans of Blaine anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, honest question. Do you think they weren't fans of Blaine or do you think they weren't fans of Darren? Because there were there were definite prop people who were ant- like ant- aunties. They were not happy that someone came in and stole the thunder. And like, oh, yeah, did yeah. Star Kid in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I think some, I think there are a portion of Blaine haters who are really Darren haters, and just calling themselves Blaine haters. Probably because I feel like the Kurt haters are really Chris haters, honestly. So yeah, that makes sense. Because you can you can hate an actor but love a character. Like that's okay, you guys. Yeah, that's allowed. 
we give you permission. I don't, I don't know he, who needed to tell you this, but it's allowed. <laughs> Somewhere uh, out there, someone who wrote a tweet nine years ago just found inner peace with themselves. <laughs> and doesn't know why, but they did. You know, I'm, I'm glad for them. <laughs> so happy. I think that's important in these troubling times that you can take a moment and remember it's just a TV show. I would love for someone who made one of those angry tweets back then to like revisit that scene now. Cause and like, see what they think. Yeah. Cause like surely they don't remember it perfectly. Like I didn't remember perfectly mm-hmm. what happened. Like I, I felt so much more comfortable with the scene watching it now. Not that I thought it was God rapist level beforehand. Yeah. Like, I just can't believe, but um, yeah. Watching it now is like, Sure, they overreacted, but not outside of the realm of how one might react in such a situation. Mm-hmm. Nobody crossed the line. They were just, emotions were running high. Yeah. I, I would also like to, I don't know, I'm not going to say that. That's a bit dramatic, but I, I would uh, appreciate knowing how many people had an issue with Kurt and Blaine, also had an issue with Britney's line. Right. Mm. Like, Tell them. I feel like yeah yeah i this is the episode it's not in this scene but this is the episode where um britney says the line about how she, I, I mean I, we're assuming she lost her virginity when someone climbed into her tent at summer camp and she said like oh it was an alien invasion which does not imply consent of any sort no. and that was played we've talked about this before because uh, i think it's one of the things in the show that we hate so much <laughs> like it's yeah. It's impossible yeah. to let go of, or and I don't think we should, but it it was played for laughs, and it's so troubling that she was assaulted in some fashion, and it's like a defining piece of her. And, it, and it's like, a joke. It, just, it on a very like basic level just pisses me off that Glee can get like protest you know campaigns because two characters in a like loving committed relationship decide to have sex with each other mm-hmm. and the teenage girl who is basically saying she lost her virginity being raped and can't intellectually comprehend what sex mm-hmm. is apparently uh that's yeah. fine that's fine that's a joke that's funny and they had desensitized us to it so much too yeah like these types of jokes were always made at Britney's expense. They were every time. And no one ever was like, Britney, do you need to talk? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone just looks at her and moves on with the conversation. Like it's right on. Or just laughs and yeah. makes their own joke. Justice for Britney. Fucking justice for Britney. At least she gets a happy ending. But you know what? We get a lot of good gifts and scene, you know, fandom content from this episode was peak a lot of fix it fix a lot of post episode fix a lot of gift sets can't can't put that aside oh we did forget the locker scene there was so much clean that we can't actually put it all in one episode jesus they had like five different scenes it's amazing we've we've totally forgotten the locker room scene or the locker scene the the post side story stage the the stage scene um the locker scene i thought was like so sexually charged like that is probably the most sexually charged scene in the whole episode it really is they're literally just making eyes at each other at the locker 
it's yeah. and like purposefully, not like Blaine is looking at him when Kurt's not yeah. noticing or vice versa. Right. Like they are they are staring at each other and talking about I mean they're they're not fantasies, but they're kind of fantasies. Like I don't yeah. know that a field of lilacs is a fantasy. Sorry. Like very very PG, let's try and get this past the filters fantasies. Yes. Um, and that he wants to be the CEO of something. It's a Logo. very Oh, yes. <laughs> I loved that. Um, I remember people taking screenshots of his like um list, his bucket list. Yeah. Yep. They were all hysterical. Um, I used to have a list of what they were, because I'm sure there was like twelve hundred Tumblr posts about it. Of course. Um, because that's, I wonder where that went. Oh, right, but, um, yeah. Number eighty-seven was become CEO of Logo, the lay roses on birthplace of Noel Coward. Um, one of them was get into Juilliard. Uh, eighty-six was arrive at school in a hot air balloon. <laughs> um, and then this is how we know that a gay man wrote this. Number eighty-nine attended circuit party on an island, <laughs> which is not appropriate for a 17-year-old. <laughs> and I feel like something not uh, not something Kurt would have no really been ha- including. No. Mm-mm. But Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Yeah, that I did not know what a circuit party was until I just googled it. So <laughs> they were very like it, it it's very much like Kurt is a gay kid all on his own so he googles a lot of stuff. And yeah. has accepted it as his personality. And you know right. what? That feels That's very right. authentic to a teenager. <laughs> I'm not mad about it. That feels real. Speaking of, I feel like this this scene, the locker scene, was very like teenager authentic and that neither of them is really saying what they mean at all. Mm-hmm. They're like very talking around it. Like Blaine is like, aren't we sheltered as artists? And Kurt's like yeah. Oh, it's just silly. I just want to bang Taylor Lautner in a field of violence or whatever. Lilacs. Mm-hmm. But I love when Blaine's like, it's not. It's hot. Like, yeah. it's just so innocent and yet as sexually mm-hmm. charged as it gets. And like, they're not saying what they mean, but they're not not saying it. Like, that scene I feel like is so meaningful to the whole overarching plot like I feel like Blaine is really explicitly putting the idea in Kurt's head of like we could have sex now if you want it to like which is so at least gets us from A to B much better than the Finn and Rachel plot yeah I think terribleness yeah like I feel like there was a lot there was a little bit more purposeful like each each of the clay scenes like builds a cohesive plot in this episode more than any i can't think of another clay episode that has such a like well-built plot well by glee standards um so you know this might be pete clay i will put it on the table um but i think this is pete clay this is it i i can't rightfully disagree <laughs> i can't yeah, I'm, we can test I'm that sorry. claim but <laughs> All of the quotes that everyone used in their fix for the next 12 years are in here. All of the scenes become AUs over and over, but they're always there. Um, Obviously, we have to go to the stage. Um, We can can talk about Darren's ass in those pants. Darren's ass in those pants, really the star of the scene. Uh, Did they pull focus? (laughs) Well, they can't help it, you know. 
I love that yeah. scene, uh, that line where he's like, well, I can't help it. We'll focus. Sorry. It, right. It's curping confident. Yeah. Which happens I feel like so they rarely. both came into that scene too, like uh-huh. obviously in a very different place than they were at the end of the scandals night. Like it's been some time. They've had some time to think. Um, like they've probably been pretty separate because it's like opening day of their musical. I can imagine both of them have like really been in their own heads the whole day, like trying to like focus on, mm-hmm. you know, what they've got to do that night. And just uh, they're just so genuine and sweet when they come together onto the stage and like have their little banter and like. Yeah. compliment each other on their performances and you can tell that like they were upset and they did have a misunderstanding but they've worked through it on their own and they're like ready to move forward on the same page and I really love that I feel like it came off really well and I know that's Chris and Darren a hundred percent we all know yes. I mean that it was a it was like an emotional maturity to like resolving a conflict that Glee just doesn't normally have Normally, yeah. it would be they broke up, one of them, like, made out with someone else, you know, mm-hmm. four episodes passed, they get back together. But instead, they had, like, a conversation. Like, this is what we always want our these characters to do, yeah. and they finally do it. Is we're always harping, and rightfully, on the Glee characters for just glossing or skipping to the next thing when they could just fucking talk to each other and for once they're actually talking to each other and it i mean it proves that that is interesting conversation like it's interesting to watch Mm -hmm. yeah and it's like meaningful and it gets them somewhere and we get even more dialogue we get even more fandom uh top 10 lines of it's not silly and you take my breath away like oh that's a good one can't it's just, I just. And that uh, little repeating thing again. He's like, like the song. And he's like, like the song. Yeah. 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 Cause, and we got that, um, this episode does the repeating twice and then it happens again somewhere um, else. And I can't remember right now. Chris Hopper and Darren Chris together layers. say, still going strong, still going strong. Um, uh, yeah. That's what it was. Um, I love that there was the little mention to um, blame it on the alcohol too. He's like, it beats last time you got yeah. drunk and made out yeah. with Rachel. And they laugh about it. Ugh. I know. I. It feels like whoever wrote this episode actually likes Curtin Blaine. Yeah. But yes, um, just like the bedroom scene is like such a perfect clean scene, this one is too. Like just perfect tonal quality. Like this, they get mm-hmm. somewhere with the conversation. Like they kiss. They get to kiss. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I just, and they're like, I'm gonna say actor choices mm. because no reason to believe otherwise, but like, yeah. Chris lips and tongue. And I just, when that happened, the zoomed in yep. gifts sustained us they for did. months, <laughs> potentially a year. And I appreciate that kind of dedication. And the claim kiss top three for sure, maybe top two. It's up mm. there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Chris and Darren, when they put their mind to it, could really give the people what they wanted. They really they can. can. They really can. Um, have we forgotten a clean scene? Because they kind of just keep popping out, and I it's the so last many. one, the one hand, one heart. That's the last one. Yeah, I think. Okay. We're at the end. Great. I mean, I, some other stuff happened, but not really. Like this was a super relationship heavy yeah. episode, and better for it. Mr. Uh, Shu is like 
only in the audience clapping love that yeah which is where he belongs where he belongs Mm -hmm. um we get a super brief mention uh, a reprisal of mike chang's dad being an asshole but rando yeah i mean it's like normally keeps it tight to their like yeah yeah super weird didn't add anything of all the I didn't like he already had this conversation his mom shows up that's I guess it was just to remind us that like his dad is absent on purpose but it just seemed Mm unnecessary like wasn't that last episode that Mike was rage dancing it was like we remember we're smart enough to remember last week I mean maybe they assume because they're not (laughs) right we aren't god yeah Instead of just putting it up on the on the board on the wall in the writers' room, they just had to write That's it right. right into the episode. Um, have we missed anything of substance? I don't. There's the musical itself. They do so. show us one scene staged. Um, those those god awful America, accents. right? Oh, the accents. That's the most egregious part for sure. But I, what I thought was funny is that Puck is in the musical, but not Finn. Even though they're both in the Glee Club, like why not? Why not do the musical yeah. too? And who played in the football game? Did they did they all play in the football game and then do the musical on the same night? I I have to assume so. What? Yeah. The, the note about the note about the play that I made was where did all of the yes. extras come from? There were a ton of people in that play. Like, is that the drama club? Did they just lose every lead role to the Glee? Must club be because reason? that one girl was like, really pulling focus. You know who in America? She was amazing, and I was like, "This is the yeah. drama girls. This is the drama nerds. Here they are." <laughs> She's the one. Probably they might be really pissed. So off mad that every time they start to do a play, <laughs> the Glee club walks in, directs it, casts it. Everybody. Oh man! I also really liked. Santana's um Anita yeah Mm -hmm. I I made the note why the hell didn't Santana get to play Maria but like she was perfect for Anita yes yeah I feel like the whole who's the best Maria Mercedes or Rachel like could have just gestured to Santana (laughs) yeah the camera just kind of like pans over to Santana like oh okay that's good that's good (laughs) Once again, Santana, who did not audition, just walks in and steals the fucking show. She's amazing as Anita, like really is the best one. And they had yeah. to shoehorn um, Irishmen into the into there. Oh, what was yeah, that? Doing an American accent in America was, it was very funny, like because it wasn't just an American accent. It had to be, you know, a bad American accent. Like my American accent is not good anyway. Oh my God. That's my best attempt. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm out. I'm, I'm here the voice of Glee Fandom 2011. I saw a surprising number of tweets loving Rory. I couldn't remember. I was about to say Damien. <laughs> That's the actor. His one, his one line. They were loving it. Surpri- I saw multiple tweets that talked about his hair Ugh. and how much they um. loved it. Like, really, like, this is, this is one of the things that surprised me about doing, like, a deep dive into the mind of, you know... 2011 Glee fandom. Like they were drinking the Kool-Aid they were. hard. They liked <laughs> a lot more than I expected. I would really love to do interviews with people who were like deep into fandom at that time and just be like, how you feel? Like looking back, how do you, 
what's up? I think that would be fun. I would like to I would like to extend that to the person who tweeted. I think that Rachel and Will are my glee guilty pleasure. Oh, okay. yeah, we want to, we need to talk. That's yeah. statutory rape. We can have a seat right over there. <laughs> um, before we get too far off track, we've kind of skipped the songs. Do you have a favorite song? This is another episode where there's not very many songs, unless I focused really hard on the claim. I don't think so. There, there are, there are five uh, numbers that were on like like official numbers but four of them are from the musical right and then uptown girl okay yeah um my favorite is definitely a boy like that i just think great song um santana's voice is amazing as usual they they use it as a plot driver which yep. is always my favorite thing i've said this before Yes, like a real that's musical. my favorite thing about the music in musicals. It's why it took me a long time to come around to Mamma Mia. Um, dare I know, love Mamma Mia. I'm so sorry. But I the first time I watched it, I was like, what the, what's the point of these songs? Um, so anyways, I loved a boy like that. Um, honorary mention, though, Uptown Girl, because I love my warblers. Yep. I can't not. Mm-hmm. I, I like Uptown Girl just because so much there's... Blaine, there's Sebastian, there's a fun song, there's the one teacher at Dalton. It's all there. I'm gonna say the was a boy like that mm. is is probably my favorite. But I really like Uptown Girl too. Yeah. Well, those are the clear winners. Those I are the winners. The Warblers, like beautiful. Um, great. I think we've said all of our favorite lines, so I don't know that we need to go back through them. How is our Kevin McHale scale, though? He, he does. He has like a storyline. Yeah. He has a a storyline and he is a plot driver. Yeah. Well, he tells people to have sex, but he also has that speech before the show, which I thought was nice. Mm Mm-hmm very nice um i gave kevin the McHale scale a 3.5 out of 5 i don't remember why but i did write no song i feel like you gotta sing a song to really get to the highest levels of the indices i think that's fair yeah i I think that's a good score like he especially if we're like grading on a curve he doesn't get that many Mm storylines so right yeah he is like emily said he's the plot driver but yet he himself doesn't really have a storyline yeah. of his own. Yeah, he more has a scene than a storyline. Yeah. And there could have been more there, but, you know, Glee made their choices, so. They did. What can we do? Except rate them. <laughs> except, yeah. except judge them. Just judge. Um, yes. I think our claim decks, I, I think this might be, if it's not an 11, it's a 10. I'm, okay. They didn't have a song. They didn't yeah, have they a song. I had to give it a 9.5. Give it a 9.5. What did you say, Mandy? I I would give it a 9, but I'm willing Mm. to go (laughs) 9.5. I wrote 9 first, and then I was like, oh, but it's like Pete Klain, (laughs) 9.5. I think it's because of the sheer volume of Klain in the episode and the number of iconic lines. And so many scenes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, if there had been a song, like, we would just stop the podcast. This would be a 12, yeah. Like, we, we, we reached it, yeah. It's rude, honestly, that they didn't get a song. There could have been karaoke at the gay bar. They didn't have to stiff us like this. You know, I'm actually, speaking of stiff, I'm going to say it does earn a 9.5 because of the condom in the scene. Because that is a point for safe sex. 
That's true. The artfully placed condom wrapper, genius. I mean, it would have been nicer if they'd had an actual like conversation about safe sex, but mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so the right. content does get half a point. <laughs> there was no time for a conversation about safe sex. Finchel needed to have another argument. Yes, <laughs> they had to have two arguments. There was no time. That's the ratio for every every two arguments for Finchel equals one clean romantic interlude. That's right. That seems pr- about right. It keeps the gay down. Maybe a little low of a ratio. It might Maybe. be higher. It, yeah, <laughs> honestly. Especially later. Um, do we have a coulda, shoulda, woulda? Is there something more we wanted? My only complaint was that they should have been slightly more undressed for the implied sex scene. Yes. Uh-huh. I don't know. Chris Golfer didn't even get to take his socks off. Like, that <laughs> felt a little much. One of those articles I sent um, said that it was post-coital. Mm. And all I'm thinking is like, all your clothes back on. <laughs> they put all of that back on. That's know. true. The way that they're interacting with each other, it does really feel post-coital rather than pre. That makes sense. But like, maybe you they put, were just you're... super desperate, and Blaine's parents were home. <laughs> they were like, <laughs> right, even undress. We got to redress. <laughs> we're on a clock. Let's move. Yeah. Right. All right. So is that a 90s? Is that an 80s? Like, or we, how does the coulda, shoulda, woulda scale work? It'd be the other way. It's like a 10s. Yeah. I said 15. Yeah. yeah. 15s? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 15 out of 100. <laughs> All these scales. <laughs> I know. Which way do they go? We just add this one per season. That's right. <laughs> that's true. We can, yeah. With this we can, one, we can, like, by the time we're at season six, not have to discuss the episode. We just, like, that's right. It's just be the scale. Exactly. Uh, next season, it's going to be something about how annoying the new kids are. We should like, think that it's like a newbie scale. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> how fed up you are with the newbies. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, Beautiful. I think the most fucked over was Rachel for being fed meat. <laughs> that was so <laughs> fucked up. Oh. I'm pissed about that. It's some bullshit. <laughs> oh. Blaine or uh, Sebastian wanted to be fucked over, but. That's right. He's the most fucked over for not getting fucked over. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've covered this episode. I think we did a good job, personally. Um, any final thoughts? I don't remember what happens in the next episode. So I have no, like, looking forward. I, like, blacked out after this one for the rest of the season. I the high. Yeah, that's basically what happened. I did like have to like rewind and rewatch scenes as I was watching this episode because they're so fleeting and yet they're so good. Like there's so much packed into each each specific one. So fucking kudos to Chris and Darren for this one. They did yes. a good job. Uh, unironically, kudos to you guys for this one. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This one time, yeah. unironically, kudos. Great. Um, all right. So I think that concludes what is potentially one of the the best best better bestest episodes of glee that we're gonna cover um yeah. really kind of as a high note if you think about it i like so, that that glee pun a high note oh hi uh, yeah let's pretend i did that on purpose <laughs> <laughs> everything's terrible um great so i guess we're gonna call this one good and 
thank you to everyone for listening um life is weird and hard right now so we appreciate you um sticking with us because what else are we gonna do um love i i have no other sign-offs unless anyone wants to say anything great um yeah so have an excellent evening i guess it's now not dark until like 9 30 so aside from not even knowing what day it is time is starting to lose meaning which i don't appreciate so we're just all in the in-between space right now yes everything is very liminal um also apologies to adriana for having to put this ending together once again I just lose track of what I'm trying to say without sounding like an idiot. Like, like, listen, and subscribe does not sound appropriate. Um, cool. So, yeah. So um, follow us on various social medias for uh, polls and weird photos and some other random ass content if we can figure it out. Um, yeah. So thank you for listening and being there. And that's what you missed on Glee.